Yes, yes, yes. We are back. It is Sunday. That means it's the Leafs weekender. There's no Leafs hockey, so we can't talk about that or what the week will be. But we can talk about what is going on in Leafland. Talk about the Sens. Talk about everything happening around all the little newsy bits that there are. And when it comes to newsy bits, there's no two better guys to talk to about it than my co-host, Pete the Heat, and Clark, producer Cork Monroe. What's happening? How you doing? Living the absolute dream, Clark. How's it shaking out over there? Look at him. He's already been an insider. He's on his phone. I'm I'm sharing the episode. I'm getting it out there. I'm spreading the word. Uh, No, it was uh, good. Uh, We talked last episode about it being pretty smoky here from the the, in Saskatchewan from the forest fires and stuff. It's cleared up over the last couple days, so that's always nice. And it's a great day today. I uh, got to spend some time outside. Started a new book, so like things are things are doing pretty Ooh, good right what's now. What's reading, Clark? Yeah. Uh, what's so Doug McLean, uh, I don't have it in this room. It's in the other room. But uh, Doug McLean, as you guys remember from Sportsnet, and he was the general manager of the Columbus Blue Jackets, just put out a book. I don't even know if it's fully out yet. I got an advanced copy, uh, but it's called Draft Day: How NHL Teams Build Their Teams and Build Successful Teams, or something along those lines. So I'm about five or six chapters in. It's really interesting so far. Um, and I know that the, the bulk of what you're trying to read that book for about like behind the scenes draft stuff is the second half of the book. So I'm just getting through all the history stuff and some interesting stories from nice. his days with the Red Wings. When Iserman was there, he was with the, he was an assistant coach with the Red Wings in the late nineties, I think early two thousands. And, uh, so he's just getting into his, uh, Columbus era now in the terms of the draft. So it's just, so far it's an interesting read, a lot of name dropping, uh, oh yeah, <laughs> but I mean, it is what it is. It's good stories. It's it's cool. an interesting book so far. Yeah, no, he was great. We I had him on whoa, probably when I first started this show. He's one of the first bigger names that came on, and absolutely great with the stories. But oh, definitely yeah. uh, has a lot of name dropping when he's going through oh. what he's talking about, which he's I known mean, knows everybody. He knows everybody. That's uh, how do you not when you have all these stories and you're like. Like I, he was the one that he tells you about it in the book several times. He was the one that traded uh, Chris Draper for a dollar back in the day. Uh, that was him um, with the Red Wings. He got Chris Draper for a dollar from the Jets. So like that's in the book a few times. He mentions it a few times, and you know he he's name dropping all these people who he's worked with and hired over the years. And it's great though. I'm really looking forward to the the second half of the book where he goes a little bit more behind the scenes. I heard a little bit of a story too that he drafted Rick Nash, some guy. You know, <laughs> yeah, you heard about happened. that. Never heard of him. <laughs> and Nikol- you know, Nikolai Zherdev was the other one that he talks about early yeah, on in the book. So Zherdev. we'll see about that one too. Wow. Well, listen, there's a lot of talking, actually. Speaking of Doug McClain, who, you know, loves to talk and tell stories. It seems Sens fans right now love to be talking and telling big stories about what their team is about to do this season and stacking themselves up to the Maple Leafs. Now, I'm not putting down the Senators by any mean. And, John, if you're listening, which I know you will be once I mention the Senators' name in the post, you'll be all over this. Um, We'll see you soon, I'm sure, this month coming on the show. But... It's one thing to be excited about your squad. It's another to take what you have and then try to bash down a team. I wouldn't say light years in front of you, but probably a couple galaxies in front of you when it comes to terms of actual on-ice progress. Because the Sens have supposedly supposed to be done their rebuild six times over now. Last year was the big hurrah. The year before that was where the pesky Sens were getting in. 
And it just doesn't seem to be happening. And listen, great that you locked up Sanderson. Good job. He's got, what, 47 points or something like that or whatever over his term. And I know what you did it for. Okay, it's called table setting, and you've done it the right way. You're paying for a guy before he becomes the guy. Hey, the Colorado Avalanche beat you to that punch a long time ago with a young man named Nathan McKinnon. They did the same thing. They paid him, and everybody was like, why are you paying this guy six point whatever million? He hasn't done anything. By the end of that contract, he had done a whole hell of a lot. So they're banking on some of these young guys, producing and becoming superstars, and signing them to these deals. Great. You set yourself up great. You've paid before they are who they are. But they still have to become what they need to become on the ice to be able to get you where you need to be. And that they have not done yet, my friend. James, do you have the Suns making the playoffs this year? No. No? I think they do. I think they have a good team. You're banking your entire thing on Jonas Corposalo and a double blowout of the knees, Forsberg. I mean, I I think they have a pretty a good enough squad to get in. I think they'll do it this year. Um, but shut your mouth, Sens fans, because <laughs> <laughs> listen, it's not even shut your mouth. Be excited for what you have. I'm damn yeah. excited for the Sens fans. They have a lot. Yes, they definitely do. It's great you brought in Tarasenko. It's great you have Dominic Kubalik to add a little bit more offense. And you know, it's fun to hear Debrinkat being upset because he didn't get to usurp Chucky on the first line. Excuse me, sir. You're not as good as Mr. Chuck. Just putting that out there. And Timmy Stu, Timmy Stu is awesome. Absolutely awesome. Taking steps every year. Yes. 100% sense fans, but it all has to come together. The offense, the defense and the goaltending. And that has not happened for the Ottawa senators. And I don't care. You're banking it on Jonas Corposalo. And Anton Forsberg, I believe it's Anton Forsberg. I might be wrong, but and he just blew out both his knees at the end of last season. So I'm not super pumped unless Corpusalo turns in a mammoth performance. It has to be that way. And by the way, Sense fans, no, your defense is not light years ahead of the Maple Leafs. No, Morgan Riley would not be sitting out of your top six. He would definitely be on your top pair. <laughs> just saying that now. Clark, do you have the Sense making the playoffs this year? Uh, I think in, in our last in our episode where we did the predictions, I think I put Buffalo ahead of them. Or no, I put Detroit ahead of them, just, mm. just for fun. Uh, but to me, like I, I think I, I'm on the record as saying the top three teams I think are still going to be Toronto, Tampa, and one of Boston or Florida. Whichever one of those teams falls off, that next Tier. five teams in that, in that division – even you know what? I'll even say Toronto and Tampa. I still I still believe in the Tampa Bay Lightning. I know that there's a lot of ifs, ands, or buts about them right now, but I still think they'll find a way. They just signed Tyler Mott the other day, and like, how much you want to bet Tyler Mott pots twenty five goals? Like, we, I mean, just put it on the board now. He's going to get twenty five in Tampa. But <laughs> uh, for after those two teams, I think there's like five teams that I could see going anywhere from three to seven in the division, and then I think Montreal as of right now, is probably that last team. But I could even see them maybe taking a step, depending on how they do in net. Like, we'll we'll talk about that in another episode. But yeah. uh, I think Ottawa is right there with the Detroit, Buffalo, and Boston or Florida conversation. Uh, I think they're right there. I, I really do. But uh, I think they still have a huge step to take. And I, haven't, I don't think I've seen that from them yet. I think 
they're still going to be a very, and the reason I didn't put them higher than a Detroit or a Buffalo is because I think Buffalo and to an extent Detroit, Detroit made some offseason acquisitions that I'm just curious about how they fit in. Mm. Uh, I don't know if they're going to necessarily end up good, but I, I'm just curious. And I, I think if they fit in well, I think that Detroit team could be hard to play against at least. Not to I'll mention say. Patty Kane on the outside of looking in on Detroit as well. So Sure, sure. Um, and and Buffalo, I think, took that step that Ottawa needs to take. I think they took it last year. And I'm just curious to see how Buffalo kind of continues. Do they take that next, next step? Or mm. are they going to just kind of, neutralize themselves we'll see but i think ottawa's there uh, the thing with ottawa though that you know they lose the brinket of course and they did get a decent little return for him i guess considering how hamstrung they were with that trade uh, but i mean kubelik is not a adequate replacement for alex to he's good he's a good third liner at this point in his career i think yeah uh, but he's not uh he's not an alex to replacement so you're looking at a top six i mean they do have some exciting players um uh, i just have their cap friendly up now so it's like i don't know exactly how their lines are gonna shape up but you got kachuk you got stutzel you got probably who tarasenko maybe norris. and then norris is there they got Giroux and you know batherson or whoever it happens to be so like that's that's fun that's that's fun that's cute um but <laughs> well, here Let's look at it like this. This is the way they're probably going to line up, okay? It's going to be yeah, first line like of daily face-offs. Yeah, Tuchuk, Stutzla, Tarasenko, Giroux, okay. Norris, Batherson. And then your third lines: Ridley Gregg, Shane Pinto, Dominic Kumalik. Yeah. Last yeah. line is a line that could really maybe make some noise. Matthew Joseph, uh, Mark Kislik, and Zach McEwen. The yeah, question they got Parker Kelly, Kelly, too, who's who's pitched in here and there. It's like they're good. They they have great players. I, I like where they're at, mm-hmm. but they I all still think gel, they're. Though. I still think they're like twenty. If we're talking comparing Leafs and Zens, I still think they're like twenty seventeen eighteen Leafs right now. Like they're they're getting there. Um, yeah. They're close, and they're gonna be fun. They're good. I'm not saying anything that they're gonna be bad. I think they're gonna be a really fun team to watch and be a fan of. I think Ottawa fans are gonna have a lot to cheer about and get behind this year. Yep. That's that's all good and well, but for yeah. them to sit here and say we're already better than you, just like they did last year, saying that their top six was better, I, I can't I can't agree with you guys. <laughs> I just can't do it. Well, can't do you, it. Look, look at the the Leafs top six, even going into this season, compared to what we just said about the Sens. Even if you line it up like this, just go uh, Matthew Nyes, Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, then second line of Bertuzzi. Tavares, Nylander, that already to me screams better. And then a third line of Domi, Yarncroke, Robertson. You know, yeah. and it's like, okay, Kachuk's better than Nice. Sure. Uh, you have a former MVP and you have a perennial 100 point guy on that line as well. Okay. Uh, maybe, maybe uh, Giroux is, maybe some people like Giroux better than Tavares. I'm not saying that's my argument. I'm just saying they yep. compare the two of those guys. Sure. But like, Nylander's better than Batherson. Get off my back. And mm-hmm. like, you know, like that's just, it's not there. It's so, I don't know. Uh, I, I get it. I get that they want to be excited. It's just always so funny. But to there's me. nothing we talk, wrong with that. There's, exactly. Be there's, excited. It's always so, just don't compare. <laughs> it's always so funny to me. We talked about this just before the show started. That anytime they get excited about something. Oh, Jake Sanderson signed. And we'll talk about that right away here. 
Jake Sanderson signed eight years. Great deal. Better than Morgan Riley. It's like, okay, okay you didn't have to take. You, yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, Jake, Jacob, they got Jacob Chikrin. He's better than, I don't know, whoever. And it's like, okay, just, just be happy. You got Chikrin. You didn't have like, and I, we talked about this, like when the Leafs were coming up uh, with this era that they're currently in, you know, we, we said, oh, we're better than Montreal. Not once did we say, we're better than Ottawa. Yay. <laughs> like, I know Ottawa was good at that time. They, like, were. they were. That was the end of their little run that they had there. That was a good a good run. All credit yep. to them. Uh, that blew up. And it was not ever like, hey, we're surpassing Ottawa. Nope. <laughs> That's not where. Like, And it always seems to be with the, the other way around. When it's Ottawa, they always have to try to pull the Leafs down. When right now, and I mean, it's early. But consensus is the Leafs are going to win the Atlantic. Like, that's pretty much everybody's prediction right now. I've been looking around. It's the Leafs. And the Ottawa Senators are usually, and they could surprise, they're usually like five or six. So, or four, maybe. But I don't see a whole lot of Ottawa's in the ones, twos, or threes. So, just let's yeah. send fans, let's just call a truce. We're happy for you. You're, you're doing good things. Things are happening, and you're excited, and I get it. But let's just like let's just chill on you always having to come after Leaf fans for it for some reason. Just be have fun with yourselves. Well, that's have fun with it. At the same time, get excited for a healthy Norris this season. You know, Josh Norris playing, yeah, and being healthy with the sense, taking a step. Be happy for Batherson taking a step. Timmy Stu continuing to grow and looking like a solid pick. Go ahead and be happy about those things. You don't need to compare apples to apples. It doesn't need to be that way because. Right now, it looks silly. Now, if the Leafs and Sens play in the playoffs, if that happens, then I guess we all can see what the ifs and nuts will be. That would, that would actually be a lot of fun. It but the other thing, too, is you know that whenever – okay, let me just pull this up as I talk about this because this is kind of important to the next statement that I'm going to make. Uh, but you know that um, when they play each other early in the year – and I'm just going to pull up the date because I need this. <laughs> I need this. <laughs> this is part of the uh, conversation. Oh, I just saw it. My phone had it for me, and I just okay. September. That's preseason. Brutal. You know when they beat us in the preseason, Sens fans are just gonna go wild yeah. <laughs> about them beating us in the preseason. Yeah. Game one of the preseason. Oh, we're better. Look out! This is our year. When we play them on November eighth, first time the Leafs play the Senators at Toronto, uh, November eighth in a meaningless whatever day November eighth game is. And they beat us because they probably will. Let's just be honest. They're probably going to just because. Lock that in fans, on draft <laughs> fans are going to parade down yeah. whatever street it is in Ottawa that they go down on parades. Uh, <laughs> but, but, I mean, it's just like, okay, we'll see you when we're at the top of the standings at the end of the year this year, in the at least in the Atlantic Division. Like Dylan said, don't win the uh, president's trophy. But I think it was Dylan or Pete. Was that you? Uh, that was that was Dylan. But I'm on, I'm with Dylan, man. Don't win that. <laughs> don't win the first trophy. trophy. It's uh, yeah, nothing it's but trouble. Nothing yeah, but not trouble. But listen, let's talk about it a little bit tidy bit of business. We talked about it for a moment there at the beginning of the show, but they did sign Sanders into that eight year deal, and everybody's like, "Well, why would you do that? You're paying for what you expect a guy to be, and they do expect him to be." a solid probably number two, number three defenseman on their team. I would say number two, given the money they gave them. And they are paying for what is to be. Like we said with Nathan McKinnon, 
and they've done this with a few guys now. You're paying a guy early, hopefully getting in front of what they'll become, so you're not paying them like the Leafs did for Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews and Willie Nylander because they had great seasons, and then they had to fork out the Don't Ray Me when if they got it done a little earlier, it might have been a little cheaper. That's what the center has done, and that's a shrewd bit of business. Get her done. I just really hope that all these guys come to fruition because if they do not, then those are anchors of contracts and for young guys at that, that you're going to have to try to figure ways around. But so far the bets they've made have paid off. So, I mean, for sense fans, they'll be happy about it. We'll see what happens. The back end to me and the goaltending will be the thing that undoes this team. If your D can hold up, especially that bottom pairing, of I believe it's Brandstrom and Hamannick, because you obviously don't know what Hammer's going to be. And then if your goaltending can be, if Jonas Corpusal can be a great goaltender, then you're great. And if Anton Forsberg can come back, be healthy and show you what he's shown you before, then you have a solid backup as well. And the Sens might be laughing, and they might have reason to laugh at Leaf fans. We shall see. But just for now, Sens fans, enjoy what you have. Move forward into your preseason and into the season and see where your team shakes out. And if you're in the outside looking in come playoff time, it's okay. Your team is young. They're growing. They miss the Battle of Ontario, James. They miss the good old days of getting their butts whooped in the playoffs every single time because we're undefeated, baby. Let's go. See you in the postseason. Pete, you can probably attest to this a little bit because I lived in Toronto when that series stuff was going on. It was so And it fun. was wild because so Sens fans would just laugh at you because they would whoop the Leafs all season long. Absolutely mollywhopped them every yeah. single game. And then the playoffs come around and the Leafs would turn the tables when it mattered the most, which was so good. And the diss tracks between artists, Adam Sandler, making the Ottawa Senators diss song. And then Sens fans had a couple of guys who made songs. It was great. And I heard there was like a Blink-182 remake of um, All the Leafs Suck. And it's it's pretty funny. If you can Google that, you know, it's it's a good it's a good listen. It's a funny one. Oh, it's absolutely yeah. awesome. All right, well, let's move on from our provincial rivals. We got a little bit of a script to read here from our friends over at DraftKings. You can see them down at the bottom there. The promo code is THPN. And guys... I know you may know this, but the NFL is here and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving you a can't-miss offer for week one. This week, new customers can get $200 in bonus bets instantly when you bet just 5 bucks. Yeah, that's right, 5 bucks on any NFL game. DraftKings is hooking everyone up with game day greatness. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every single game day this September. Check the app to see what you get. Download now and use the code THPM to sign up. New customers can take home $200 in bonus bets instantly just for betting 5 bucks. That's code THPN only on DraftKings Sportsbooks. An official sports betting partner of the NFL, the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for your problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 
21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Sorry, Clark and Pete. See, no, I'm good. I'm I'm outside of Ontario. I got this. (laughs) Slash football for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. So get over there. Check out DraftKings. Use the promo code THPN. Get yourself some good bets. Really easy to remember. THPN. Super easy. Use it. Super easy. Let's rock and roll, fellas. Now, we'll switch gears from our... The best part is about that is we did... Me and Dylan did this last episode because James puts the script over so he can't see us doing stuff. So me and Dylan were like, whoa! Like, we were like reacting to everything he was saying. We were having a great time. Hey, that's, that's the best way to do it. Get everybody excited, man. Let's go. Oh, yeah. It's Let's a great... Go. 200 bucks. Use it. For, for five bucks? Come on. 200 for Come five? On. I'll do it all day long. All right, so we'll switch off the provincial rivals. We'll go over to where we need to be. The blue and white, that's right. It's behind Pete. It's in our blood. It's the Maple Leafs. And listen, right now, we talked about this a little bit over the past few episodes, Clarky, Pete, Dylan, even our friend Bernsey. But I'm seeing a lot of hate for Ryan Reeves being on this team, and it's from Leaf fans. And then, of course, we talk about Domi a little bit down the line here too. But a lot of fans saying Domi better bring that – tried, tested, and true dad attitude to the team, and that's not the way it's going to be. But anyways, we'll go Reeves first. A lot of people saying this guy's going to play probably 20 games for the Maple Leafs this season. Uh, I'm saying probably about 60 for the Maple Leafs. And the reason why I say that is the same thing I've been saying. He's going to go cause problems with the other team stars and take teams off of their game constantly. So it's going to be against big, big name teams like a Colorado, like an Edmonton, like a Dallas. He's going to go in there and he's going to stir up crap. He's going to go and pick on a guy, which will get one of their guys off their game. He's not going to fight that guy, but other guys are going to try to get at him and take dumb penalties. That's where the Leafs are going to try to really maximize the value of Ryan Reeves. And Reeves is smart too. He knows what he needs to do and he knows how far usually he can go. But a lot of people are just like, oh, he's just a dumb knuckle dragger who's not going to do anything for the Leafs. He is. Believe me, he is. And it's going to be sweet to see when someone goes to push over Austin Matthews and he just happens to be on the ice and grabs him a la Dustin Bufflin and rips him that person right down by the horse collar. And then a big scrum ensues and Burt comes over from the other side. I'm just saying it's going to be fun. McCabe skates in from the blue line. They got guys who are now ready to do this stuff and just make it ugly, make it gritty, and make the other team do dumb shit like the Leafs used to do because the Leafs would be very much in those things and get the retaliation penalty every time because they'd be throwing a little push or shove, and we've seen it, all the scrums. So if you can draw guys into that kind of crap, that's what Ryan Reeves will do. What do you think, Clarky? Yeah, I'm looking at his stats right now, and <clears> – <throat> You know, this year he played. Oh, like he played way more than I thought. Actually, he's huge he played, he played like seventy-three games this year. Sixty-nine mm-hmm. the year before, thirty-seven. That was the shortened season. Seventy-one, eighty, pretty much all eighty-two with Vegas uh, and Pittsburgh split that year. The year before that, eighty with St. Louis, sixty-four, eighty-one. This guy's he. Now, here's what I will say: is that sometimes you see these. You saw it called them. You know, the knuckle draggers or whatever, and. And they're big and like they're, 
they're in good shape, but they're not like good skaters necessarily. Revo's a skater. I've always looked at Ryan Reeves as a guy who can actually skate. Now, mm-hmm. is he is he is, is he an effective puck handler? Nah, maybe not. But I I've always appreciated the athleticism that Ryan Reeves possesses. I mean, his brother Jordan is a defensive end in in the CFL. He has been for I don't even know how long six seven eight years. Uh, like and his his dad was one of the best running backs in CFL history. Willard Reeves back in the seventies eighties with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Like they're a very athletic family if if he wasn't playing hockey he could probably be playing football right now as a defensive end he's a little bit older now obviously but um i really i've always appreciated his skating ability as a big guy now he's 35 6 however old he is i think he's 36 so he's clearly on the back half but i don't think that you i don't think that you um give a guy a three-year commitment sorry this door it doesn't like to stay closed doesn't, I don't think you give a guy a three-year commitment at this point in his career who has had a track record of playing almost 70 to 80 games a year for the last like eight or nine years and then mm-hmm. sit him for half the season. Uh, I think this is year one of uh, what you said, James, kind of a new attitude era of the Leafs. Um, like we're we're looking at – yeah, exactly. He's give me a hell our, yeah. Uh, he's going to be our The Rock. He's going to be – he's going to be Triple H. Like he's that guy. Uh, and I think he's like, I, I can't remember who usually says this, but maybe it's Steve Dangle who usually says somebody who's going to drag the other guys on the team into the fight. And it's not necessarily that he's going to go out there and just fight. And that's it. He's the type of guy that drags the other guys into that attitude. He, yep. and he pulls them in and pushes them up and lifts them up. And I think with in Ryan Reeves, like, <laughs> Not that they need one, but I could honestly see him being an assistant captain for this team at some point. Like, not that they need one, but he's like the type of guy who I think could like set the tone out there. And maybe he's only going to play eight, nine minutes a night. Like, maybe that's the case. But I just think, like you said, James, that his presence out there with the teams he's been with recently, let's go back to St. Louis. He was an important part on that St. Louis team that. Uh, won the cup? Am I not, am I correct in saying that, or was he gone by the time they won? I the think cup? he was gone by that time. Okay, so he was gone, but then he went to Pittsburgh, and then he went to Vegas, and he was important parts on all those teams. Uh, even even in New York, he didn't maybe wasn't the best fit with the New York Rangers, but then when he got to Minnesota, I feel like he was a pretty good fit there too. Uh, and I just think that this is the kind of guy you don't give a three year commitment to a guy, especially at not league men like one point three mil. That was a big conversation piece over the summer. That's not nothing that's a it's higher than that's higher than the variable amount currently i'm pretty sure so uh you give the guy that commitment i think he's going to give you guys the commitment and this is the type of guy that's in the lineup you can lock in the four four rw every night i think as ryan reeves and i i'm not even at this point unless he starts proving us wrong and starts you know flailing around out there and looking stupid uh I don't think I'm I'm upset about that right now. It's a, it's the it's an element that this team hasn't had, an effective element that this team hasn't had in a long, long time. Mm-hmm. You want to flip the script and really piss teams off for a shift, and Pete, I'll let you run in a minute. Imagine throwing out Domi, Bertuzzi, and Reeves just <laughs> to get under the other team's skin for a shift or two. All three of them and can you talk. Can. All three of them can talk. All three of them can get under your skin. And that oh, would yeah. just drive a team nuts. 
And we saw last year Yarn Croak moved up in the lineup and played pretty well with those guys. So yep. yeah. you could legitimately throw Nyes and Yarn Croak in the top six for a couple of shifts and throw those guys out as a third line and just see yeah. what happens. Keith must, be, Keith must be licking his chops right now with all these line combinations he can make. But um, I think one of the important things, too, that uh, Reeves was brought here was for the outside portion of this, yep. this team. You know, he he's going to take the guys out. He's going to get them to gel together. He's going to get rid of any clicks there are. Cause I know there, there's a lot of Swedes on the team. I think they, they do their own thing. And I think Reeves is going to bring everyone together here. He's probably going to pot a few, maybe a few, but um, I, I think he's here to, to defend these guys and to bring them together. So I, I think it's a good pickup. The contract's a little long, but I, you can always bury that contract. Right. So. Yeah. Um, and, and, I'll, I'll wait. Go go ahead, Pete. No, no, go ahead, Clark. Well, I was just going to add, like, the other thing, too, is that Ryan Reeves, if you look at his stats over the last – his career high is 126 penalty minutes, which for an enforcer, that doesn't seem that doesn't high, seem really. If you think high. about, like, a traditional enforcer, they're usually closer to 200 or higher, um, especially when you're trying to do puck doku and 200 penalty minutes. Oh, man, the amount of times I can't figure out who's gotten 200 penalty minutes on puck doku. Those ones. That's a hard one. yes. You put guys you would think, and it's like, nope. And it's like, what? That ruined my whole... Anyways, that's another episode, too. Uh, But this guy is a guy who, yes, he fights, but he's also the guy that nobody else wants to fight. He's that guy. And because he doesn't have that many penalty minutes because nobody wants to fight him. He could probably have two or three fights a night if he wanted, but nobody wants to at this day and age because there's not many guys that can match him. There just aren't. Uh, there's a few. I will give a lot of guys credit. There are some out there still, but he is one of the few remaining guys who is out there and nobody wants a piece of him whatsoever. So you get that guy jumping in scrums, James, like you're saying. You get that guy jawing back and forth on the bench. He can put in eight minutes a night, but if he's putting in 52 minutes a night on the bench, jawing back and forth, that's more valuable probably than the eight minutes on the ice. He's, he's in there chirping guys. He's in there telling them, if you do that again, I'm going to knock your head off. And they haven't had a guy like that since probably Max Domi's father or Darcy <laughs> Tucker or those that era. They haven't had guys out Colton or maybe McLaren. You can talk about those that era of guys. But since then, man, the Leafs have been, you know, from the outside, what, what do we always get told from other fan bases? We're pushovers. We're soft. We have no pushback. Well, and then you go out and get guys who are the definition of today's day and age pushback. And all of a sudden, oh, well, he's only going to play eight minutes a night. Yeah, that's the whole idea. <laughs> like, that's yeah. the point. And they'll, the they have enough guys who can play 23 and 24 minutes a night that having a guy who can only play eight isn't a big deal. So I really think that this is a, a solid fit. And for anybody who thinks this guy's not going to play 85 to 90% of the games, I just think uh, just watch. Yeah, like I said, I give them 60, maybe 65 games. And that's only because they'll probably cycle somebody else in or injuries or whatever or rest because he is old. Yeah, I mean, he's 36. He could get hurt a little bit. I mean, he's in a tough spot too. You know, you you, you punch a guy wrong today because you can't take a helmet off and you break a knuckle. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's not an easy time to be what he is. But I think, like I said, the 52 minutes on the bench that he's yapping back and forth and doing his job, I think is going to be even just as important as the eight or nine minutes on the ice. The best clip last year, I think they were playing Edmonton. It was Minnesota. And Evander Kane was trying to chirp him for going after McDavid. And he was doing the, who, you? Who, you? 
Like he's like, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? Absolutely. I can't nothing. wait to watch that. You know, he's just telling telling guys like you're not gonna do yeah. anything. Just shut up. Skate away. But a guy yeah. that's not gonna do a lot of that, a guy that will talk, and he has dusted up a few guys here and there defending teammates, and it's not afraid to scrum it up, but he's no Ty Domi. So guys get Clark, you say this a lot, and I just want to reiterate it. He's not Ty. And a lot of not fans Ty. are like, I hope he brings that Ty Domi fight. He's not bringing that. That's why they got Reeves. But he will bring the same thing. He will bring the beaking. He will bring getting under guy's skin, doing little things that piss people off, a la Brad Marchand-esque, you know, just really just greasy shit that other guys don't like and probably will take penalties for. So it's those kind of things that will happen, but he also has wheels. He also has an underrated passing game, and also he can score some goals. So And he did so on a Chicago team that really had no talent. So, not too sad. And, and he was a pretty pretty nice piece for Dallas in the playoffs, too, after they got him. He was. so. And everybody's like, well, why didn't Dallas keep him? Well, it's called this. And when you run out of this trying to pay your guys like Jason Robertson and Heiskanen and all the other guys they have to pay, guys like him, just like it happens to Leafs, hello, Hyman, Brown, go down the list, they get squeezed out. Max Domi wanted to play here. Apparently wanted a long-term deal. The Leafs said all we can do right now is this because of cap uncertainty, which is smart business, by the way, because the Leafs always offer, well, we'll deal with that later. Well, now they've done some stuff where they know where they're at. So maybe uh, we do see some extensions January 1st. But Domi's going to come in, guys, for me, and just be that bunting replacement. I really see Domi as a bunting replacement to really take care of what needs to happen. No, Bertuzzi's the next level of bunting to me. Because Bunting wouldn't really engage physically where Bertuzzi will, but also Bertuzzi knows all those other little dirty tricks. Like look at the way he did to the uh, the Florida Panthers with the stick thing, right? Breaking it and taking the stick away. Bunting didn't do those things that got under guy's skin. He talked a lot, but he really didn't do the other things, the stick work, the little jabs that you see from like a Marshan or, or Bertuzzi that we now have. Those things didn't happen with bunting. It was more the talking and the throwing fits and, you know, those kind of things. And the, I hate to say it, the diving a lot, you know, flopping over. Bertuzzi isn't that. He's more, how do you say it, more technical with his grease? <laughs> you know, he really applies it. He's got some smarts well, to it. James, last episode when we were talking a little bit about, well, I was talking about Domi quite a bit. I brought up a lot of stuff about Domi last episode, and maybe I'll reiterate a couple things that I, I just I think about the guy. Uh, but with Bertuzzi, I, I think that with Bunt or with Bunting, I mean, I think last year, a he was doing it all by himself. He didn't have anybody else on the team doing it with him. And when you're the only guy, and everybody knows that, they pick on you a little bit more. They, they do a little bit more to you. Uh, and with the, this is the way I was talking about it last episode with Bunting. I think it was Bunting that I talked about this about. Uh, but he was I, – I, I know he's always been a pesky guy. Like, he's been a hardworking player and stuff. But he's never been, like, a gritty player necessarily. And I think once he got to the league, the NHL, I think he kind of had to develop that. And when guys have to develop that style, I think of Pierre-Luc Dubois. I think I've talked about it on this show several times in the past. But – Pierre-Luc Dubois was a scoring bigger forward growing up. Then he got to the league and he was dubbed a power forward. And I think he had to learn how to be a power forward. And by doing that, he tried to be gritty 
But instead, because he didn't know how, it just came off as dirty. And I think Bunting was in a similar way where he didn't know how. He's a hardworking guy. So his way of doing it was just being a hardworking guy. And eventually he would be getting under guy's skin because he's working hard. But he's not necessarily the gritty, you know, the guy that what a Bertuzzi is, Pete, to your point earlier, where Bertuzzi, Mm -hmm. I think, has a little bit more of that built-in grit to him than what Bunting had to develop. I, it's it's more innate in him. It's more instinctual in Bertuzzi than it is in Bunting. And I think Domi has a bit of that as well. Um, whereas, yes, he's a he's a skilled forward first, I believe. I've always thought that about him. But he does at least have the last name. And I know that we can't say he's Thai. He's not. I've said that lots of times. <laughs> but he still has the last name. Okay. And I think it's instinctually in him to just kind of be a jerk. And the Leafs need more jerks because they've lost to teams with jerks for years now. And we finally have a few on our team. And I'm pretty pumped to see a little bit more jerkiness Just on the roster. Jerks. And, you and get... again, I don't. I said this last episode, Pete, because I know you weren't here. But um, Domi's not a guy who's going to go out and punch guys in the face. And I don't think he has to be that guy necessarily. I know a lot of people probably want him to be, and he probably will at some point get in a couple of fights here and there. That's he's not he's not the type of player that shies away necessarily from fights. But he's not the type that's just gonna go out and punch guys every single night. But what he will do is he'll put your his glove in your face. He'll give you a little face wash. He'll tap you on the back of the ankle in a scrum. He'll give you a little bit of a crotch shot every once in a while just to let him let you know he's there. Like he's gonna do all that stuff just to, again, let you know that he's there. And the, I just think the Leafs haven't had that in a while. And now they have, you know, two, three guys, maybe four, if you count Matthew Nyes. We talked about that. Matthew Nyes maybe has a little bit of that element. McCabe. Uh, Brian, yeah, Brian McCabe. Yeah, Jake <laughs> McCabe. Uh, uh, so I think they have a few of those guys now. And um, I just think it's going to be a whole element that we just haven't seen. And, and Domi's a big piece of that. But James, like you said, the best part about him, is he's not just a jerk. He can actually put up some points, and I think secondary scoring for this team is also really, really important, especially to take a little bit more pressure off those top guys because when you take pressure off of them, they actually can perform better because there's not as many eyes on them or hands on them or sticks on them. There's other people who can do the job, which just makes them better as well. So If you have to deploy your resources further down the lineup for the, the defending team, it definitely makes it better for the guys on the Maple Leafs. So if you got a third line that can possibly score, just say a Domi, Yarncroke, Robertson, and that line gets rolling for whatever reason, you have to go and throw your second pair out there, your first pair out there to defend against them. It does make yeah. them more tired. It does give you more windows of opportunity for your top two lines. Uh, speaking of windows of opportunity, the Maple Leafs goaltenders, I know, Clark, you want to touch on this last episode. Um, we got Wool. We got Samsonov. We got Jones. We got some other guys that are young, but I think those three goaltenders right off the top there are going to be the guys we focus on. I really liked listening to what Mr. Bradshaw Living, almost said Dubas, uh, Bradshaw Living oh, said no. about Wool. Um, and same thing with Sheldon Keefe. He kind of echoed it as well, where Wool really will get an opportunity. Um, obviously, Camp will have to play out. But finally, it seems like the Leafs have developed a goaltender that may be the heir apparent to net. Um, but let's not forget Samsonov, who's also in a contract year yet again and probably will play his arse off and do really well. And finally, we have a, I don't know, remember when Curtis McElhaney was here 
and he was actually a savior between the pipes for the Maple Leafs for a while. He was so good behind the pipes when we needed him in those critical games. Now we have a Jones guy who's won some games with the Seattle Kraken, the upstart guys on the upswing for their second season, won 29 games, same amount as Samsonov last year. <laughs> Unbelievable. So, and he signed the fact that he won 29 games is wild. So, and he's got a better team in front of him by a lot of standards, I'd say, than Seattle had. You know, and Seattle still made the playoffs, made some noise, beat Colorado, et cetera, et cetera. But I look at it and say, okay, hey, the Leafs have three competent goaltenders that if one goes down, you're okay with the second one. If the second one goes down, you're okay with the third one. So last year, when Samsonov went down, we were all like, okay, what does Wool have? He showed us. He can play. But then when you had to get down to possibly Matt Murray or Eric Schalgren or other guys who, you know, was was this Jet something who came Jet in? Alexander. Oh. You know, <laughs> we had these guys that got opportunities and stuff like that, but you were just – you were gripping your seat a little bit like when Michael Hutchison used to play for the Maple Leafs. So our third option now is a 29-game winner last year. Our second option is a guy who is on the upswing. Finally, the Leafs have a young goaltender who looks like he may be a brick wool. And uh, then you have uh, Mr. Ilya Samsonov, the Russian machine that never breaks, who's in a contract year, who obviously wants to set his family up very well. And how do you do that? When you come to Toronto, like most guys do, you play well with all the spotlight on you. Hell, if you win a cup, I bet you he probably gets a $7 million deal somewhere. Yep. If you win a cup. But Clark, <laughs> opening yeah. that between the pipes. Uh, well, it's Ilya Samsonov. I mean, as long as he's healthy, I don't know what his status is. I'm sure he's fine. Uh, but one thing that I, I guess, wanted to talk about, too, with this Leafs goalie group now is I remember for years, especially in uh, Lamorello's last couple of years and then Dubas's first few years, they didn't draft any goalies. And that was maybe just due to maybe they just didn't like a goalie or maybe they thought they had a better you know what time getting a veteran or somebody off free agency or a college free agent or something. But for years, they had no depth whatsoever in net. And for some reason now my phone's not my internet's not working. I'm having a tough time with the old phone research here tonight. Um, but now that they have the three guys that they do have on the major on the major league level, I'm thinking baseball. My dad's watching baseball in the other room. Oh, Blue Jays. Uh, on the uh, National Hockey League level. Um, but those three guys, that's a great start. But then I even look at their few guys that they got down in the minors. And you got Dennis Hildeby, who's this really tall, interesting Swedish prospect who's in his early 20s. Keith Petrozelli had a great college career, and he's been doing really well for, I think, the Growlers mostly last year. But he's probably going to get some time with the Marlies this year. Uh, and he's a solid, you know, younger goaltender. I think he's 24. And then they got the two Russian guys that are over on loan in Russia. Uh, one of them is. I think Pexa is also going to be on loan in Russia, if I'm not mistaken. Well, no, it's just he not came back. That way. He's got, he he's got Marley's pass. Yeah, he's got Marley's pass. Go check out, uh, I believe it's Hadley Wickenheiser's Twitter or Instagram. Okay. Um, he's actually in town and he's got a blue and white pad set up. So, uh, that obviously okay. leads you to believe he might be, uh, doing something with the Marlies. And also we got that, uh, Hopi Baker winner guy who was suspended for six months, uh, in right. our system as well. So. Yeah. He's, I think he's on a minor league contract at the moment, right. but still. What, what was he suspended for? Uh, I think performance enhancing drugs or mm. something like that. Yeah. Something like that maybe. But, but the fact that they got 
Aktiumov late in the draft. They got Pexa late in the draft. They got Hildeby late in the draft. And Petruzzelli was a college free agent that they just picked up. Uh, they're finally just realizing, I think, in the organization that goalie depth is more important than just filling a hole, especially yeah. in the minor leagues. Like That's a great place to develop those guys. And that's where Joseph Wall comes in. And that's where, you know, I'd like to talk about him. And we did already. You did a great job, James. But they had the depth in order in the major. I did it again, major league level in the National Hockey League to allow him to kind of simmer a little bit. And I wouldn't be fully surprised if to start the year you see Joseph Wall back with the Marlies and let you let Martin Jones start the year with the Leafs just because of the track record Martin Jones has. Uh, obviously, it's a little scary, but he did have 29 wins last year. He gave his team chances to win last year uh, on a Kraken team that's still figuring out who they are. And I just wonder if they won't allow Joseph Wall to go get like 25 starts early in the year down with the so Marlies one bring them up. that ointment though he now requires waivers Joseph Wall does he does okay never mind then take back everything I just said <laughs> I wanted to cut you off on that one before you went too Thank far you. yeah yeah, yeah. It, Good call. he uh he it was I think it was on uh shout out to our friends over at Locked on Leafs and our buddy David Moore studio I think they talked about it he does require waivers to go back down oh, okay so that's why a lot of people were saying you're probably going to lose Jones on waivers because he's probably going to be the guy on waivers because you don't want to lose Wall. Okay, I'll take back what I said, but I'll go back and start over. I, I think Martin Jones is the type of guy that would clear waivers, though. Like, there aren't, he's 30, what is he, 35, 36, and he's only on a one year deal. So a team taking him on a waiver claim, especially at the beginning of the year, if everybody's shoving everybody down through the waiver claim process all at once, which is what always happens. Uh, there's not a whole lot of upside for a team to claim an older guy like that. So you might, you might not see him get claimed and then he can kind of be your, your emergency valve, I guess, if something goes on in the, in the upper echelons, but uh, who knows? Like, here's the other thing. Martin Jones and Joseph Wall are also both two of the cheaper players on the roster right now. Not saying that this would happen, but the Leafs don't have a whole lot of cap space to carry extra guys. Could they carry an extra goalie? Probably not. But maybe for a little bit, just as things kind of settle down, uh, maybe they could. And then you could shove Martin Jones down when the rosters are kind of more clarified. And then maybe teams just don't have a spot for him. So you you sneak him down on like a Friday or something like that when teams aren't really paying attention. Um, so like there could be that at, at angle as well. And I know the next topic is going to have to do with kind of that last couple hundred thousand dollars of cap space. So maybe I'll hang on for this one. But uh, I think they're going to have to do a delicate dance with the cap space situation. I did the math uh, the other day because I was curious, and I went on cap friendly. I started up a new roster for the Leafs. If they just stripped down their roster to 20 players like they did at times last year, uh, they are under the cap. They're fine. They don't have to lose anybody. So, James, maybe let's get into the Lafferty thing because I think that's going to kind of lead into what I'm getting at here. Yeah, well, Sam Lafferty, here's the thing, okay? You go and get a guy on a PTO like Noah Greger uh, who hits like a mother, uh, can really add another physical, probably a chirpy kind of element, playing with guys like Reeves and Burt and Domi. Um, I'm going to say that's a guy that you probably want on your squad. Sam Lafferty, for um, for what it's worth, I mean, came in. They wanted him to be a penalty killer. They wanted him to use his speed. They wanted him to do all these things. To me, and a lot of people point this out, it really did seem like he did not have those tools the Leafs were looking for. 
that you could probably get from somebody else, whether it be a younger guy like Noah Gregor or someone else in your system, Pontus Holmberg, Bobby McMahon, go down the list. You can really plug and play a Sam Lafferty out of your lineup with one of those guys you already have, and it doesn't hurt to lose him. You free up, what is it, the million bucks he's getting paid? I mean, to me, I think Sam Lafferty is definitely the odd man out. It sucks because we all want to see guys do well. But if you don't fit and it doesn't work, you can't keep trying to drill a square peg into a round hole. You got guys who can fill that, and I really think they're high on Noah Gregor, much like they were last year on Zach Aston Reese, which was Clark's boy, by the way. They he really wanted that one to happen. But I um, liked it. I'm not I'm not mad that he's gone though. Hey man, he's ten always, goals. Okay. Ten goals. Yeah. You know, I thought he was gonna be our playoff guy, man. I really thought he was gonna be that, that chipper that chipped in, yeah. but he didn't. But anyways, Noah, Noah Gregor can really fill the role that Lafferty has, or McMahon, or Pontus Homer. Go down the list. You have options that cost you less. And if Alex you get Steves. Noah Gregor. Yeah. Well, mm. Alex Steves, to me, I don't know. I don't know. We'll get into that. We'll look at a prospect pyramid in another episode. But um, I look at a guy like Noah Gregor. If you're you're making the, the list in the top, what, I think it's 29 or whatever it is in hits, they're going to want that. You're going to want that physical crash and bang, even if he's a – plug and play every fourth night kind of guy or a fill-in for an injury at least you know you have a guy coming in with some jam that could really spark up the lineup maybe your you know uh november game or your january dog day game you know he comes in and gives you some piss and vinegar crashes and bangs and sparks up the boys you know those things are fun to have right Look at all the fanfare when Bobby McMahon and them came in the lineup and got his first goal, but it got called back. But everybody was so excited. That bench was on fire. And that was a February, let's just get through this month game, right? So if you can inject some energy here and there, that's what you need. Sam Lafferty doesn't do that for you. I'm sorry. Yeah. Say I'm wrong, but I, don't, I just don't think he does. Pete, you want to go? Uh, I mean, it's- I mean, he's he's okay. Like, what's his cap hit right now? It's a million bucks. One point one five. One point one five. And then who do we have? Like, who takes his spot? Like, what are? Yeah, you probably go McMahon or Holmberg are probably the top two, and both those guys are like eight hundred k. So yeah, you I, save about you save about three hundred k on the replacement. And so we would have to waive him, or and then he'd probably get claimed by someone else, right? So I mean, I I, th- I think he'd definitely get claimed on waivers, but I, th- yeah. I think there's an option to maybe dump him off in a trade of some kind. But yeah. I mean, remember Pete how how sought after Sam Lafferty was at the trade deadline last year? Yes. Yep. He was he was like at the top of everybody's trade boards last mm-hmm. year. So like, there's still going to be some interest in him. I think he's tradable. It's just a matter of. What you get back if you get back anything draft picks? I'm not sure. Right, right. I mean, he he, he was okay for us in the se- last season and in the playoffs, I guess. But um, it wouldn't hurt my feelings to see him go. Yeah. So my biggest thing with Lafferty and James, you kind of mentioned it. He's he's got that versatility. He's kind of got a little bit of everything. He's kind of got some speed. He can kind of score some goals. But last year when they got him, you know, he was one of the better penalty killers on Chicago. Didn't play a second on the penalty kill for the Leafs. But who's gone, though? Alex Kerfoot. And he's gone, mm-hmm. and he was a big penalty killer. I wonder if it's not the plan to just put Lafferty right into that PK spot. Now, it's still going to be Camp and Marner out there first. They're still going to be the guys who get a lot of the minutes. But, you know, you need more than two penalty killers. 
I look at Lafferty as a guy who's going to take up a lot of that time. I think Yarn Croak's probably going to get a little bit Yarny. more time. I would love to see William Nylander get a little bit more PK time. I would love to see Austin Matthews get a little bit more PK time, but that's probably not going to happen right away. But I, they're going to, they don't have that many. Maybe Max Domi even gets a little bit if they are comfortable with how he plays and all that kind of stuff. Um, but at the end of the day, I, you know what? I look at this lineup and I, I posted a picture for you guys on, the, on our group chat the other day. Uh, I put in a lineup, again, of just the bare minimum 20 guys uh, with a one, you know, one backup goalie, just very basic, no extra players whatsoever. And it includes Bertuzzi, Matthews, Marner. We can get into lineups another show, but Nice, Tavares, Nylander, Robertson, Domi with Yarncroke. You mentioned that earlier, James, with Lafferty, Camp, and Reeves as a fourth line. I think that's a great fourth line. I'm just going to say. And then Riley Brody, McCabe, Klingberg, Giordano, Lilligren. So you don't have an extra defenseman. There's no Timmons in this lineup. I get that. And then Samsonov and Wall. You have $600,000 of cap space with that twenty group of 20. What don't they have? Enough to bring up one more player. Who adds that $300,000 to make it enough to bring up one more player? Sam Lafferty. If you get rid of his 1.15, you can probably bring up McMahon and Holmberg. So <laughs> or sign Noah Gregor and have or McMahon sign Noah Gregor and have him there. So like to me, or have that, Jones sitting on the bench. Sure, you know, or just the flexibility to be able to do something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Lafferty being moved, considering he didn't have much of a role after they got him last year, considering Tree Living just came in and Lafferty was a dubious acquired like acquisition. There's not a whole lot of. Uh, and glue holding him there. He's kind of a piece that's not nailed down at this time. And if you if you get rid of him, you can bring up two guys. So I like dumping Lafferty for a fifth round pick or something, or a fourth if you can get a fourth. I don't know, but a fifth or a sixth, and opening up that little bit of flexibility that they kind of need to bring up two guys or sign a Gregor. Uh, that's a little bit hard for me to kind of pass up at this point. I think I think it would be silly not to um, get rid of him and. I would love to see him fit because I, I, he had a great year in Chicago before they got him last year. I think he would work. But when you consider a little bit of flexibility, I think is a little bit more important than a second-line penalty kill specialist. That's kind of the end of the story for me. Maybe they'll keep him for a couple weeks. Like I said, they can field a full roster with him. Yeah, uh, They just don't have any flexibility. So maybe they go a couple weeks with him. Maybe they try to showcase him a bit. See what happens in a trade, but what does friend know. of the show Terry Koshan always say about these cap things? Injuries have a way of figuring things out. Yeah. So well, you know another thing injury. too is that for sure. And a guy like Connor Timmons is in the exact same boat as him. They make the same amount of money, basically. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked to see Lafferty and Timmons packaged in a trade, especially with some of the defensive depth that they signed in the offseason with Simone Benoit. They brought in Max Lejoie. They brought in one other guy. I can't remember his name. But like they brought in a few guys who could probably replace Timmons. Timmons was a dupus guy also. So maybe there's a Lafferty-Timmons package that could be sent out and you get a third-round pick or some fourth-round. Like whatever it is, maybe you can get a little bit of a piece back for those two guys and you clear up a little bit of cap space in the meantime. Something like that. Well, let's hope that's what happens because I want to see a couple of these young guys up here. I want to see sure. a little piss and vinegar, a little bit something different. I mean – Maybe there is a plan. Maybe they do utilize him on the second PK unit and really play to his strength. They really beef him up. Who knows? 
it's the fun part about September because everybody's excited. You got the Traverse City Tournament coming up in I think about five days. Then you got training camp, not but five days after that. And then you're in the meat and thick of preseason games, and we're rolling by that point. But uh, speaking of rolling, Wednesday night, it'll be me rolling solo with Rod Peterson of the Rod Peterson Show. Clark Monroe knows this gentleman very well. Uh, unfortunately, Pete will not be available. Clark will not be available. And Dylan will not be available. Uh, so the offside family is off doing offside things. It's okay. Um, but I will be here Wednesday night talking to Rod Peterson. Um, Sunday night, we'll have another exciting guest for you. And we'll be having exciting guests as we lead up. But, I mean, the crew right here is pretty darn good. I know you've listened along. If you've been here the entire time, thank you very much. Tip of the cap to you. Make sure you subscribe over on YouTube. Follow Clark Monroe over on Twitter. Follow Pete the Heat on Twitter and on TikTok. I'll make sure to reference their handles in the description of this. But, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this is Offside Hockey Talk where the Maple Leafs and hockey come to talk.